Welcome to Combo Keepers, where we talk about combo characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we're bringing back the What Are You Reading style format of our episodes because we have a special guest with us here today. Here to talk about Crafty Comics is the co-founder of said company, Dan. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. Very excited to uh, share some few things from my pull list which I feel like is, is ever expanding these days. I feel like that's for every comic reader, uh, consumer. It's just the pile continues to get bigger no matter how much we read. For me, I uh, actually at a yard sale once I picked up uh, like one of those old mailboxes that had slots. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I'll use to fill like the things I'm actively reading. So I don't have to go and pull out the boxes and everything like that. And like before I knew it, that thing was filled up too. And I was like, all right, maybe there's too many good stories that are being put out right now. I got to like start to, to, you know, narrow it down. It's just a fact of life. When, when a nerd has more space, it just gets filled with more nerdy things. That's right. You're here today because you were kind enough to reach out to us and you wanted to share some of the products that Crafty Comics has. And I was thrilled to get not only one, but two of the different style of frames that you you all have for displaying comics. I got sent the the modern classic flex frame and I also got sent the, the X-Lab. And I have uh, one of them next to me right now that currently has one of my favorite covers from Michael Turner, which is the Civil War number one variant. That's right. Love it. It looks fantastic in this frame. So I want you to to talk to our listeners about what Crafty Comics is and what it can do for a comic collector. Yeah. So uh, Crafty Comics, we, we're a collector's company. That's what we like to think of ourselves as. Uh, yes, we do make frames and displays for people that collect a little bit of everything. But at the heart of it, you know, I like to think of myself as a collector. I've been collecting ever since I, I was a kid and I can remember. And I've taken a lot of the things that was important to me. And then also, you know, things that I didn't necessarily identify with in the modern collecting hobby when I was getting back into it. Um, and then during COVID had this opportunity to try a new idea on uh, this downtime that we all suddenly had. And now a little over three Years later, uh, we've grown into our, our own building with you know equipment, our own team, and gotten to hire employees and and get to meet you know incredible people like yourself and live vicariously through some amazing collections of you know books. I can only keep my fingers crossed that I might get to own one day, but at <laughs> least getting to see it you know displayed and celebrated in some of our frames and slabs has been really fun. I love your products. They, the quality is very high. They're very easily to assemble and put together. They look great on a shelf or up on a wall because you have either the, the easels that come with some of the frames or in the back, there is a multitude of ways that you can actually put them up on your wall. And they, they look fantastic no matter where they go. I know that there's a few extras along with the frames here is because there's also ones that are like, is it like 99% UV protected? Yeah, that's right. So that was something that was really important to me when developing the product. Um, you know, first it was, you know, I want to make sure that it, it looks good and then it passes uh, the test of my wife who wouldn't let me put up the cheap plastic frames at the time during COVID when I told her, hey, it'd be great if I put some of my comic books, you know, up on the walls. What do you think? And that got quickly shut down. So I knew it had to look good. But then that kind of got me down a rabbit hole of doing some research and looking at 
the other materials that were out there, the quality of the, the other products that were out there, most of them being, you know, things that were outsourced from overseas and, and different degrees of, of plastics. Um, and I, I thought, you know, that, that we could do better. And so the UV protection was important. But, you know, I didn't want to go, there's all different kinds of levels and you research it. What's the difference between when someone markets it as UV filtered versus UV resistant versus UV, UV protected, right? And in order to qualify for UV protected, it actually has to come in at like 99% uh, or, or higher. And so we did a lot of research, ended up uh, uh, working with a company called TrueView that has museum quality materials. And so, you know, when collectors were reaching out to us and asking things about, is, is this acid free? You know, what's the depth like? Is there any pinch created on the books? We had wanted to have all these things thought out, right? And have positive answers for it. And then also in launching, we listened to a lot of collectors too. So when they had, you know, improvements for the product, they said, hey, it'd be great if you could engrave another set of mounting holes so that they could be displayed both horizontally and vertically. Okay, great idea. Done. You know, hey, we like the wood. Can you do a, an all acrylic frame? Okay, done. And then even in just watching how people use the products uh, was really exciting because we noticed that, hey, not everyone has wall space. Sometimes they have cubbies or bookcases, shelves, and they were leaning the frames up against them. And so we said, hey, maybe we could create a slab and like an easel and something that's built for people who want the tabletop kind of display experience um, all the way through people taking the slabs and using the border colors from the frames for the slabs, because technically the pieces are interchangeable. They were kind of just making it their own. And I think that's, you know, one of the things I've really loved about this experience so far is not just getting to see the cool stuff that people collect, but watch them really making these displays completely unique from Maj podging and painting the, the backings to creating their own, you know, custom color borders by just measuring it out and cutting their own paper and, you know, and having fun with it. It's very versatile. I, I kept messing around with the the background colors on different books to see what would make certain things pop. And it really was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. And I can totally see people printing out or buying different backgrounds and and adding it like their own flair to the product which is mm -hmm. which is really cool i am a big fan of the, the stained wood back yeah. on this particular slab though it looks so good that is our our most popular it's our fan favorite it's a uh, hand sanded and stained in our in our facility in southern california so you know human hands have, have touched every piece of that to, to make sure it's it's perfect and I do think it goes with everything. It gives it a nice classic feel. And then a quick tip I learned along the way uh, from someone who had professional framing experience, they said, if you're ever looking to pair, you know, that border color with a cover, how do you do it? They said, look for the third most dominant color on the cover and pair it with that. That way it doesn't distract, but it, you know, accents. So if you're ever, you know, curious about, you know, I get a lot of questions from people going, I have this book. What do you think design wise? And I think everyone's got their different tastes, but that's a good kind of rule of thumb too. No, that's, that's really good info to know. I honestly, now I'm looking at my cover and I'm thinking like, maybe the red on here is the third most prominent <laughs> color. Maybe that's why it looks so good. Lots of blues, yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of yellows. 
think there's the red is the third one. That's that's really fun. On your website, you have a wide variety of products like we talked about. It's not just comics. Like there are frames for cards that come with little easels, which are really fun. Yeah. You have your comic sizes. You have a variety of though. It's not just modern books. You can get your golden age, silver age style books, as well as getting things like uh, original art, like page art, like the 11 by 17 huge frames. Also getting that up on the wall because I had recently before I, I think before you announced that you were doing that product, or maybe I just didn't see it on the website yet, I had kind of had to search out and find a frame for a an original art page that I purchased from Freddie Williams from the He-Man Thundercats crossover that he did. There really wasn't a lot of like solid products on the market, like size-wise for it. None of it looked like how I wanted to. What I bought... I'm like, it's okay. But what I saw, what you all have on the website afterwards really makes me just want to buy that to, <laughs> to swap it out because it does look really good. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's what I've got on the wall behind me is I've got kind of a selection of a lot of the different things. I've got the David Mack uh, is in our 1117 frame that you just described. And really that was kind of going back to how I say that we're a collector's company and we just listen. And, and when people ask us, hey, do you have a display option for this? You know, we might not at the time, but we kind of add it to an ideas folder. And once enough people request that size, that style, that product, we go, okay, let's cut a prototype, you know, let's put it up there. Let's see what happens. And more often than not, you know, they end up becoming products that just become part of the, the catalog. Uh, and people go, oh, great. You know, I've been looking for, this was just intended because I picked up a lot of 1117 prints too from a couple of comic cons and like yourself, the options were, okay, I could go cheap plastic and you can't even get those sizes really at like some of the main chain stores, you know, maybe you could go the Amazon route or you could go the professional local framers route, which ends up being a lot more expensive. And personally for me, the, the style of a lot of those frames would end up being very like matte or, you know, like border, like just very heavy to where, the print was was somewhat lost in it. So when designing it, as you can see, we went with an all acrylic look to it. So it's minimal, the print almost acts as its own mat. And instead of just doing a flat wall mount of it, which maybe it gets a, a little bit lost in being all acrylic, uh, we added these one inch stainless steel standoff mounts. So you can see it has like a little bit of a floaty type of feel uh, off off the wall. No, it, it looks great. You also have frames specifically to display graded comics as well. That's right. It it is something that I've I've really wanted to display some of my graded books, but I don't trust like the 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 tack, like the like the stickies that you put on the walls. Yep. And I'm also afraid of having it just like leaning on a shelf. So yeah. the fact that I can have something as secure on a product like what you have is, is something that's really exciting. And I just recently got back two books from CGC. It, they are from San Diego Comic-Con. You're talking about that. Yeah. So at San Diego Comic-Con, I was lucky enough to get two Power Ranger books signed by Peach Momoko because she did the variant covers for them. Thanks mm -hmm. again. Thanks to Aaron Knowles from the Oblivion Bar podcast for hooking me up with that. And they came back in and immediately my first thought was because our interview was coming up is I need the graded frames 
from Crafty Comics so that I'm actually able to display these things. Right. Otherwise, it just sits in a box in storage and like it's things you forget that you have. And there's no better conversation starter, in my opinion, than when you get to share. And it's like about what you're passionate about. Right. And it's better than some of the small talk you end up having with people when you have them over the house sometimes when you can just start talking about things in your collection, the stories behind it. Uh, the slab frame was our second product that we developed after the raw comic book frame because to your point, everyone just reached out, hey, this is great. Do you have something for graded slabs? Because surprisingly, they're not UV protected. Uh, and there's not a lot of great ways to wall mount them. And even when there are, they're, they're kind of, you know, often single mounted to where there'd be like it leaning one way or the other. Or I live in Southern California, so it, it's got to be earthquake proof out here. Um, and so that's why everything's designed with twin engraved mounting holes. So it's real, it's level, it's secure, but it's also flush against the wall. There's no hardware that can fail, right? Because if this is a book that you've invested potentially thousands of dollars in, you know, why are you going to trust it to plastic clamps or J channels? Like you want to give it that museum quality, not just protection, but also I think experience too in, in, in how you're showcasing it. I hear a lot of the, I want to frame my book but I also don't want to send it off and wait forever from a grading company. I just want it displayed. And a lot of people don't really care about what grade a book is, but they just want it on display. And I think Crafty Comics is a perfect way to get something that looks like, like you mentioned earlier, like that museum grade quality display, but without having to wait forever to get your book back. I cannot recommend Crafty Comics enough to our listeners. If you are looking for a way to display your books, I strongly recommend you check out Crafty Comics. And let me see, I have the card over here. So www.craftycomics.com, but Crafty is C-R-A-F-T-I, followed by comics. That's right. Everybody listening, please go and check out Crafty Comics. You will not be disappointed by the quality of their products, and you will love the way your things look displayed. I appreciate that. Of course. Almost went into a men's warehouse plug at the end, like, you're going to love the way your books look. I guarantee it, you know? I don't think they're using that in one anymore, so maybe I could pick that up. There you go. Just steal it from them. That works. <laughs> Dan, we've been hyping up Crafty Comics, but we like to talk about comic books in general here. Yes. I got to ask you the question, what are you reading? Ooh, okay. Love this question. There's a lot of things I'm reading, um, but uh, I've found really I've been leaning heavily towards indie books. Um, just new stories, like stuff that I give the first issue, like I'm a big, I'll pick up the first issue of pretty much anything just to give it a shot. And if the story like hooks me with not just like the character, but the world, right? Like I can instantly see it. Then I'm kind of like, all right, I'm in with this one. I add it to the pull list. And that's why I said my, my mailbox is, is ever uh, filling up with things. But let's see, the first thing I have up uh, is this is the, the sequel series to the to the first one that had come out, but it's called Chicken Devils. Uh, mm. This is a great one. I don't know if you've heard it. It's from Aftershock, uh, but it's basically the story of a character named Mitch who runs a hot chicken place uh, in LA, and uh, his his family is is murdered, and it goes in kind of like a Breaking Bad type of revenge, but it's very funny. And the action is great. And it's just incredibly well-written and unique in terms of how the characters speak, but even like the, the lettering of it. And just, uh, I can't recommend this series enough. This is the second one. So the first one's just Chicken Devil. 
uh, and it's the second one is Chicken Devils, and it's called that because on his revenge kind of uh, path uh, on taking out the mob that had you know s- s- killed his family, he-, he wears this chicken mascot suit from his hot chicken place. Uh, a lot of twists and turns, unexpected things, so definitely worth checking out Chicken Devils. That sounds absolutely bonkers. Who's who's the creative team on that one? Uh, let's see, Brian uh, Busoletto and uh, Latia oh. Monaco. Oh, that's a great team. I have not heard of that book from them. That's awesome. Great cover art too. Like you can see here with the purple. This is in our X Lab, by the way. So it's just the all acrylic. So you can see back and and front of the books. This is what we were talking about before for the tabletop display. Um, but yeah, this is an awesome, awesome series. Highly recommend. I, I, I do want to point out again, like, so those slabs being able to see the back of the books, there's so many vintage books that have incredible art oh, on the back cover or, or those vintage ads that are yep. just so nostalgic. So being able to see both sides on like a table display is very fun. It's the x-ray specs. It's like that one bodybuilder guy that was like on the back of, of all of them. Yeah, really fun to, to see the ads. And even there's books I've taken out and even modern books where I, I take them out and go, oh my God, I didn't know this was on the back of it. And there's like amazing just art or fun ads or movies that are coming out, you know, things like that. My first pick of what I've been reading lately is Headlopper. This is a series that was recommended to me by Brad from Compa Couples Counseling, another incredible podcast that everyone should listen to. Headlopper is done by writer and artist Andrew McLean. The first volume was colored by the incredible Mike Spicer, who many people should know from a lot of the work alongside Daniel Warren Johnson. So like do a power bomb. He's going to be, he did Murder Falcon, the colors on that. He's also going to be doing the trans, new Transformer series that's coming out from Skybound very soon. Uh, the second volume, though, was colored by Jordi Belair. Headlopper is the story of Norgal, who is a Viking warrior mercenary who is going on various adventures. He is carrying around a cursed witch's head in a sack that they just go on the wildest adventures. The arguing and the banter between these two characters throughout the story is hilarious because there are scenes where they are going up against the most crazy looking monsters ever and and agatha is basically antagonizing norgal the entire time at one point you think that agatha's gonna help norgal but norgal beheaded her she he's the reason why she is a head in a bag so she basically uh cusses him out and says why would the world would i help you and just really chaos ensues throughout this entire series they they go up against demigod sorcerers. They go to the second volume is about the Crimson Tower, where there's basically this kind of really messed up tournament that's going on, and whoever wins the tournament becomes the ruler of the Crimson Tower. But there's just crazy creatures that lurk around, and there's a lot of heart to the story as well. And the art is just absolutely beautiful. What you mentioned earlier about being drawn into a world like very quickly within a story is so important. It's something that I felt when I read Barbaric for the first time. And I absolutely feel it when I'm when I read Headlopper for the first time through. Uh, There are four volumes of it so far that have been released. I am uh, two volumes in and very excited to pick up the third and fourth. I had kind of a last night on earth meets a basket full of heads vibe. I don't know if you've read that basket full of head or refrigerator full of head series. I've, I've heard of it. I have not read it yet. Yeah, it's enjoyable. The next one, even though I, I love Chicken Devils, this next one might 
be my my new favorite series and i'm talking this is outside of like my favorite series right now are like department of truth ice cream man i love the whole jeff johns universe uh that he's developed right now with geiger uh, and junkyard joe and like some of those but my other new favorite is called time before time okay um another indie this one is from image uh, and this is the story of, of Tatsu, and he is in, like, the mob basically controls time travel. And he is a smuggler, and he's basically smuggling people between different time periods who are, like, refugees from bad futures, and he's trying to escape this life. But it's one of those, like, Game of Thrones where no character is safe, because it's not mm. about the character, it's about the world. It's about these different syndicates and mobs that control different time periods, and the FBI that's trying to track him and these different groups. And so you lose sight of the main character sometimes for issues at a time because you go off onto other characters, other perspectives, time periods. But really great read, uh, really great artwork too and cover artwork. This is in our flex frame with the stained wood that, that you like so much. And this is in our, our green border which, you know, I think I did the, the, the thing of pairing it with the third most dominant color. Yeah. On uh-huh. there. But yeah, time traveling uh, like mobsters. If you're into that time before time, highly recommend. That sounds like a wild read. It's great. It's And I think it's like 20, it's almost like 30 issues into it now. Um, and it's more of my local comic shop, like didn't carry it. So it's one of those wherever if I'm at a shop and they have it, I'll like try to grab up as many issues and catch up on it but such a great read. Next up is a series that I think I'd mentioned in a previous, what are you reading? Because I was in the middle of it or I had just started it. I finished the beast. That is the silver surfer, Dan slot, Michael Allred, Laura Allred series. And it is a masterpiece. This omnibus is a must have. I feel like in any Marvel fan collection, if you're a silver surfer fan, you must own this book. It is probably one of the most captivating stories I have ever read from Marvel, period. The dynamic between Norrin Rad and Don Greenwood is adorable, heartwarming, heartbreaking. It, it, it takes you on that emotional roller coaster that you want from a series. The, the final issue had me in tears. I, I cannot lie. It, it brought many tears to my eyes and I could not believe how good this series was throughout the entire thing i fully understand why one of the issues one issue of the year at at the eisners i can see why it has had so many accolades and i cannot recommend silver surfer by dan slot and the all reds enough because it is legitimately one of the greatest masterpieces i feel like from marvel but it it is easily in my top three it and honestly it's really fighting for that top spot of my favorite comic ever uh it is in contention and if you have not read it please do yourself a favor and read this series dan have you have you read anything from this run no i haven't i was never really i i, I wasn't a silver surfer fan uh but i do love dan slot's work so I'm, I'm down to read anything Dan Slott, like Superior Spider-Man was one yes. of my favorite, like Marvel recent reads. Cause I just like, you know, when, especially with legacy characters that you feel like you've heard all the stories before when they take like 
very different, you know, either takes or paths or just introduce something very, yeah, it gets them off of like the, the status quo, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Dan takes this, he takes Silver Surfer in directions. I have not seen Silver Surfer go before. It is, it's honestly very much a love story. You, you get these adventures, but there's always, there's this constant um, excitement, but also dread kind of lurking around the corner that I have not experienced from a comic before. That's so if, even even though Silver Surfer might not be your thing, I think this series might be your thing. All right. That's fair. Yeah. All right. What's your final reading for this episode? All right. Final, uh, final book to share today. I am a huge James Tynan fan. Uh, I'll pretty much pick up anything that his name is attached to. Uh, and I was not disappointed by Blue Book. Uh, Blue Book is the true story of a couple who was abducted by aliens in the 1950s. It shares their, uh, recalls their story. Um, but that's the, the kind of the main story uh, between the issues. But every issue, what I personally like is that it ends with a short story uh, of telling you another real life you know, X-Files, if you want to kind of say, uh, story from history. And it gives you kind of glimpses into old UFO stories, monsters, uh, spontaneous combustion uh, types of tales, uh, which, which I'm always down for. But uh, my, my wife is like, you know, 100% that UFOs are in the skies and, and following her around. And so the, what scares me most about reading this is like, what if this did happen? You know, and <laughs> this withheld the, the certainty of which like all of this was recalled. And, you know, now they're writing comics about the story. So, you know, maybe there's some truth and validity to it. And who knows, even I was watching football the other day and Aaron Rodgers saw a UFO, you know, quarterback for the Jets. So like, I guess, you know, they're, they're out there. But for anyone who's like into X-Files, real life, you know, the ancient aliens types, any James Tynan fans, uh, definitely check out Blue Book. He is, Tynan is such a nice dude. I, yep. I had the pleasure of meeting him at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I was in line to get a book signed by him, had a really nice short little chat there. But then as the entire of San Diego Comic-Con was ending on the final day. We were heading over to the hotel. All of a sudden, I just saw James walking by and and he was cool enough to stop and chat for a second, took a photo. And he's he's just such a cool dude. He's a That's really, great. really nice guy. And I I am very excited because we are going to be covering Something is Killing the Children on the show for October Ooh, okay. for our like spooky season episodes. And I cannot wait to dive more into that. Series. That's awesome. Yeah, I got a chance to meet him at Amazing Con a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was one of those conventions that like, I, I'm not a fan of the overly packed conventions, you know, where you're like sleeping overnight to get into a thing. I'm kind of for the smaller ones where you get to have, like you said, more intimate conversations with some of these comic creators because you don't feel so bad. There's not a million people waiting behind you. You're not just trying to get through the process, right? You can yeah. ask them real questions and, and share real experiences. And more often than not, when I've gotten to meet people that I had really admired for their writing skills or their art skills. Like they didn't disappoint always fun conversations and, and always, uh, you know, fun to learn something new and connect with people on like a, a human level, you know? 
Yeah. I think before I really got into the podcasting scene and, and getting in touch with more of the creators, I, I, I think I put them on this pedestal of like, why would they want to talk to us? Or they're going to be way too busy to do anything. And the reality is, is every single comic creator that I've met in person has just been so humble about their work and excited to talk about the effect that their book has had on you. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're putting like their heart and soul into these products. And the fact that it's getting a visceral reaction from someone it, it, it does, it does something for them as well. And it, yeah. it's like motivating to kind of keep going on like their journey. So I, I am very excited to continue to meet all of the creators of many of these books. Have you been to WonderCon yet? I have not. No, I was thinking of doing a, a last second trip down. Um, fingers crossed. I'm hoping to make it to New York comic-con this Ooh, year. Big one. I know it's kind of last second. It's like next month, but there, there's something I've had in the works that I'm, I'm hoping to be able to make a, a stop out there. I've never been to that one. That's one of the larger ones. Yes. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be fun. But WonderCon is, is still on my list. WonderCon is incredible. I went, I went earlier this year and it was stellar, way smaller crowds, way more time with creators. Loved it. Highly recommend. Okay. We'll have to go together next year. Maybe. Let's do it. I'm. I already got. I already got plans of going. I'll be there. I'll meet you there. Train trains right by my house up here to in Ventura County. I'll, I'll hop right down to meet you there. Nice, perfect. My final book for this episode is the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Anniversary Special. This is the 30th anniversary special, and I'm I'm gonna name off the stories and the creators for each of these really quick. So there's Ode to Ernie, which was written by Ryan Parrott, illustrated by Eleonora Carlini and colored by Raul Angulo. We have Wedding Vows by Melissa Flores, illustrated by Hendry Prasetya. We have Color Colors by Matt Herms, Alpha Directive, written by Matt Groom, illustrated by Marco Renna, colored by Sarah Antonellini and with assistance by Sharon Marino. Uh, we have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Reimagined, written by the original Pink Ranger herself, Amy Jo Johnson, alongside co-writer Matt Hodson. That one's illustrated by Francisco Mortarino, uh, colored by Joanna Lafuente. Ranger, Ranger Academy Office Hours, written by Maria Ingrande Mora, illustrated by Joe Ming-Yong, colored by Sarah Antonellini. Uh, and then finally, What Time Is It?, written by uh, Margaret Scott and illustrated by Daniel Bayliss. Of course, letters by Ed Dukeshire, an absolute beast in the lettering community, covered by legendary Dan Mora, who, if you say Power Rangers in comics, his name is going to pop up. And that's because this, this 30th anniversary special included all these short stories. So there were six of them all together, and absolutely every single one of them was incredible. Uh, Ode to Ernie was beautiful because we recently did have the passing of the actor who played Ernie in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series. The story is really heartwarming about Ernie uh, constantly feeling like the juice bar is being attacked and he wanted to create the juice bar for a safe haven for kids and he feels like it's not that place. Uh, he helps the Rangers in a, in a battle and then basically alludes to the fact that he thinks he's going to be selling this place and the Rangers tell him why he should not do that and, and what the juice bar means to the community. Wedding Vows by Melissa Flores is a, a love letter 
to the legacy of uh, Jason David Frank, who we also lost earlier this year, the story of his wedding. It is beautiful. The way it is written as if it is his vows throughout this entire story is stunning. Uh, Matt Groom crushes it with Alpha Directive, bringing us the heartwarming friendship between Zordon and Alpha 5. Amy Jo Johnson becoming a writer for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comics. And she's actually, this is just a little, a little taste, a little appetizer, because she is going to be writing a new mini series for Power so cool. Rangers uh, that I am thrilled to read. So excited. Uh, I really, fingers crossed, we can get her on the show to talk about the return which is just going to be killer ranger academy a billy story very fun by uh, by maria mora and then what time is it is it, it's just like a fun compilation of like these morphs and like a little intro story there i loved every single one of these stories it was one of the best power ranger comics that i think has been put out in a not i won't say in a very long time because melissa flores is crushing the series right now but it is mm-hmm. If you are a Power Ranger fan, this book was nonstop greatness. And I know that you had recently actually posted uh, a little Power Ranger collection yourself on your social media. That's right. Yeah, I got my white tiger sword still from my childhood. I've got like the Funko Pop cereal of the Green Ranger. And then I had the opportunity to meet Jason David Frank uh, last year. And he was so incredibly nice to both me and my son who I brought with me. Uh, so I have a few pieces signed by him that are, you know, extra special to me, obviously. Uh, but Power Rangers is just one of those things that, like, you can't, for me, you can't think about the 90s and childhood and growing up without thinking of Power Rangers. And the series, to me, has always felt like it was written by people who loved the show and not just the original Mighty Morphin, but the entire universe of all of it and made really like concerted efforts to connect pieces and, you know, appeal to just these different generations of fan bases. And to do it in a way that was like exciting and like grounded, but then also like, you know, fantastical. So there's a little bit of everything in it. But, you know, I I think it's cool, too, when you get to read something and have, you know, very clearly defined voices in your head when you're reading the characters. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I love reading Power Rangers so much is just, you know, it's, it's a full experience for me. I see it. Uh, I hear it. It's fun that we have an aged up version of the things that we loved as kids. There, there are stories that have depth and meaning and have just taken the series to another level. I talked about that on a recent episode when Kyle Higgins came in and who is the writer that relaunched Power Rangers for the Boom, Boom Studios and just absolutely crushed that that story. I said I said Kyle Higgins, right? I didn't accidentally say Ryan Parrott. Yeah, yeah, no, you said uh, you said Higgins. Okay, good. Paris is also great. I mean, they both they both crush it. Like that's yeah. what I love the series is you can't in some sort of series you can really tell when there's like creative shifts and changes and like people who just like don't get the characters of the story in the same way. But to me, this story has always felt very cohesive. I agree. They've they've done a great job of passing the torch from creator yeah. to creator with Power Rangers and. I love it all. Well, Dan, we've talked about the things that we've been reading, but I want you to let our listeners know where they can find Crafty Comics online. 
Ah, that's right. So uh, plug time. You can visit our website. It's craftycomics.com and that's crafty, crafty with an I. Uh, check out you know, all the different products that we have for all the different things that you might collect. You can design it online exactly how you want it. Uh, we laser cut everything in our facility in Southern California, and then we ship it to you for very easy assembly. Uh, but if you want to check out, you know, some fun fan photos and videos and things, take a look at our social media. We're at, at Crafty Comics uh, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and there you can see, you know, not only what people collect and they've displayed everything from ASM one to 300 in our frames, but also some of the fun ways that people have made them unique too. And maybe that'll inspire you to, to, you know, free some of your old comic books from the box or get some of those art prints out of the pile that you've been meaning to frame uh, and finally get them up on the wall. If you are craving to have your cherished books displayed in incredible ways, please, please, please go and check out Crafty Comics. You will not be disappointed. Thank you, sir. I'm just glad we got the uh, audio to work this time around. <laughs> right? It's time to close the book on this issue of What Are You Reading? So until next time, this is Lance. And this is Dan. Reminding you to keep your friends close. And your comic books closer. Closer.